Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is usually not longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So today, I kind of wanted to have, I have this, it's one of those, I feel like some weeks we sit down to record, and I feel like in the back of my mind, I have like this little like rant that's just like sitting there on my shoulder being like, you know, just just, just wanting to wanting to get out. And this is a good opportunity for because I have a podcast. I can get this rant. I can talk about it. I can talk it through. And um, yeah, it's like hopefully you know you as the audience enjoys the ride. And Marco, <laughs> hopefully you can you know put up with this. I mean, um, isn't this what podcasts are for? I guess so. And specifically, the rant I kind of wanted to go on was about I guess the nature of advertising, um, and it's kind of what it is, what it isn't the kind of impossible tensions that it creates inside of someone who develops products, who works on things like there are things about advertising that I feel like are just so complicated and nuanced that in some ways a podcast is the best way to talk about it because there's a imprecision that you kind of need to be able to, to you know, to reason it through and to talk about it and be able to go back and forth. And, you know, that, that sometimes is harder in, in writing, but, um, and specifically this is coming from in my mind, um, there was an article that uh, Mark Gurman just published uh, talking about how Apple is expecting, or at least there's someone someone within Apple is reported, you know, to be seeking f- uh, ways for Apple to make more advertising income from its you know products to increase the advertising proportion of its services revenue, which is you know a overall sort of company goal, and. Seeing that, it's like, A, it's one of those, like, I'm sure, like, of course, of course there is someone whose job it is to explore that. Like, whether or not it happens is probably the more germane thing. But the, the reality is, it is certainly an interesting thing to think about. And specifically in the examples Mark was giving were things like putting, you know, advertising into Apple Maps um, or something along more along those lines. Um, they could potentially also go back to introducing something like iAd, like they used to in the four, where, you know, someone like me or you couldn't incorporate apple ads into their products but in general i feel like anytime this gets brought up it creates there's these big feelings people sometimes have about apple and their advertising in their products that you have this like oh it was like apple is supposed to have a premium experience like this is supposed to be a premium thing i'm paying all this money for this phone why are there ads on it um and it's like that is true that is fair that's a completely reasonable way to feel but on the other side of that it's like advertising is this kind of magical thing that is like almost this weird way of it's like creating money out of nothing in a in, in one way of thinking about it and i think the, the most important thing to kind of just as a disclaimer before i dive into where kind of where my mind is on this is understand that as with so many things in life understanding and sort of reasoning through something like advertising requires that you kind of like hold two somewhat contradictory things that are both true in your hand at the same time like there are things that are contradictory, but both true. And not everything in life, you know, sometimes there is a clear yes or no. Sometimes there are these weird middle grounds where it's both a good thing and a bad thing. And both of those statements are true, even though they're kind of opposite to each other. And I think advertising is the perfect place where you're in this middle of like, you just have to have a somewhat flexible mind to really have an honest evaluation. So First, it's probably good to just start with like, what am, what am I saying when I think of advertising? And I think advertising fundamentally is about utilizing the attraction of your product um, to then sell the attention it gets to someone else or for some other purpose. So you create something that 
you know, attracts people to it, that brings people to look at it, to pay attention to it um, on a regular basis, hopefully. And that attention is not what, you know, that is there for some reason. And then you turn around and take that attention and you are selling it to someone else. Like fundamentally, that's what advertising is that people, other than the, I guess the only example I could think of was like, people say, Oh, I only watch the Super Bowl to watch the ads. It's like, in general, people don't come to your product for the purpose of viewing your ads. Your ads are secondary. Your ads are a distraction. And I use a distraction as a, as a as sort of a careful word there because, you know, fundamentally what we're doing when we're making a product is we're saying, I want to make this awesome. I want this to be attractive. I want people to want to come and to open, in our case, open, open this app and do something in it. And then I'm going to put an ad in there that says, basically, it's like, um, Hey, I, why don't you stop doing that thing that I wanted you to come here into my app and do in the first place and look at this other thing instead. And that's a distraction. Like that is fundamentally what advertising is, is it's, I make something attractive. And then by doing that, I create this sort of like surplus of user attention and I can sell some of that, um, to someone else, use it for another purpose. And that, that's what advertising is. And what's tricky about that is that it actually does work, that advertising is effective and in some ways beneficial that by doing that, we create an opportunity for people to use that excess attention that our product you know, contains, um, for other purposes, you know, in your case of overcast, it's you allow people to discover shows that they may not otherwise have found. Uh, in my case, I just do sort of general banner advertising, which I think was largely done with, you know, um, people who have products to sell and, uh, or apps to download. And I give those people an opportunity to, to, you know, to put that in front of someone and potentially download it or buy it or whatever the case may be. And the thing that's funny is I think in some ways it's so easy to be, oh, ads are bad. It's like, well, they're sort of, but it's also they work. And like there wouldn't be any money in advertising if people didn't click on the ads, buy the products, and then like be happy with them. If, if, if it was all like just this big sort of zero sum scam, then it wouldn't work. Like the fact is the advertising works because finding the right people to show the right thing to creates that gives that person an opportunity um, and benefits them just as much as it benefits the merchant who's buying the ad in the first place. And that's the interesting part that I feel like sometimes when I'm working on my apps, uh, like I think, Oh, it's like, I don't like ads. I'm not, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of them, but also they make a reasonable amount of money and a substantial amount of my living comes from advertising. And it's like, for me, the, the tension I feel is, Obviously, I spend so much time and effort and energy on the creation side, on focusing on making a product experience, making something that is attractive, is interesting, is compelling, does the job well, does it quickly. Like those are all the things that I tend to value strongly and to, to then add to that experience something that is, you know, specifically and intentionally distracting from that and is sort of by definition reducing the user experience. Not that the ads don't have value, like I just said, but it's reducing it in a way that if, you know, the reason people are coming to my app um, is not f to view the ad. They're becoming it to count their steps, to check on their sleep status, to create widgets. Like all of those are the actual region reasons. And I'm just having this sort of ability to create extra income by selling the excess of that. And I say it's an excess because it's like there's, it's not it's not limited. It's not limitless. Like there's this weird line you have to, you have to find when you're building a product between how much attention you can divert away from the product before 
it's sort of it's it's sort of if sort of you end in like a you end up in like a vicious spiral where if you put too many ads into something it becomes too heavy you know too heavily distracting then people forget why they're there in the first place the core user experience that brings them there in the first place starts to get um, affected and hurt and damaged and when you, that happens it's like now you've lost the ability to attract people to your product and then there's no excess of attention um to use and so there's this strange tension you find in you're making a product if it's like i want you know, I, I want just as much, just enough advertising that it is in that excess, in that place where people aren't using my app less, or at least not using it less to a sufficient degree that it's problematic um, or isn't offset by the sort of commensurate income that you can get. Like if you just from a purely like profit and loss perspective, you know, you imagine, okay, if I put an ad in my app, it's going to say it generates, you know, it, it generates a dollar and it loses me you know, 25 cents in terms of effective uh, retention or user activity or subscription or whatever that is. It's like, great, I've come out ahead. And you're just, in some ways, you can find this line between, it's like, well, if I have my ads generate a dollar and then, oh, now I've lost, I'm losing 50 cents and now I'm losing 75 cents. At a certain point, you don't want to cross over. And it's, it's like bringing this back to where I started. I feel like in Apple's case, there's this, that tension is exactly the same as the tension I feel. It is the same issue and the same sort of like impulse that you have to manage and think through. And especially, I, I don't like. I don't. I have a lot of sympathy for the people at Apple because of the scale of the income that they are talking about. And while the impact is similar, like in terms of if you know, if I introduced a, a new ad to my product and it, in, it increased my revenue by five percent, like that five percent is still five percent, but. If it increases Apple's revenue by 5%, or, you know, it's billions and billions of dollars, saying no to it is got to be a lot more complicated and a lot more challenging to say, actually, no, we don't. We want to keep that. Um, we we want to leave that as an opportunity cost, as something that we could do but are choosing not to. Like That is the tension that I'm sure internally they feel because they have the same problem, that the there is some amount of like free attention that they can use and spend and if they use that correctly, then they're better off. If they go too far, if they reach beyond that, now suddenly they're in that negative that like they're hurting their, their bottom line perspective. And the consequence for doing that in their case would be much more profound from a dollar's perspective than it would be for me in the same, for the, for the same reason that if, you know, if, if it gets to a point that Apple products have too much advertising and people feel, Oh, I don't want to use it. You know, I don't want to use that. It's, you know, it, it's, it's not, it's not nice anymore. It's not, it's not great. I'm going to go use Android or whatever the equivalent sort of tr transition would be. It's like then, you know, the cost of people, you know, in mass, you know, leaving the iPhone would be profound. It's like, probably unlikely but that's the same tension that they're feeling and i'm sure it's interesting like as a, as an apple user i don't really like that they have advertising in there because it doesn't over you know in general it doesn't benefit me to the degree that it benefits apple and so obviously from my selfish perspective it's like i want all dave benefit no apple benefit to some degree like that, that's a purely selfish version of myself and but I understand that that's not the reality and we're just going to be in this dance and navigate this tension and it's complicated is the reality. And I think that's the, yeah, it's just a fascinating thing that as, as I think about like the, my, my knee jerk thing with Apple, it's like, Oh, don't do ads. Then I'm like, but you have ads in your product, Dave. So that's a, you're a hypocrite. It's like, well, maybe I'm not a hypocrite. Maybe I just, I can want the things that I use to not have ads, but use them and use them myself. And it's like, well, that's a little contradictory and 
you end up with this kind of weird place of it's a bit of both. And advertising is complicated. And, you know, as someone who uses it a lot, I think I've largely made my peace with the fact that advertising is beneficial in some ways to customers, is beneficial to the merchants who are buying it. It is also harmful to the user experience because fundamentally it's a distraction. And like that tension is just the reality we find ourselves in. This is the most amazing transition ever, but we're brought to you this week by Sourcegraph. <laughs> so you've hired a brilliant developer. That's awesome. Now you have to get them onboarded. If your company's growing, onboarding new developers will be a common occurrence, but it's a big undertaking each time. One of the biggest challenges for new hires is to get up to speed with the project their new team is working on. This can be tricky if the code bases your developers are working in are already large. Thankfully, Sourcegraph makes it easy to move fast, even in those big code bases. Developers know that knowledge is most useful when it's findable. Centralization is helpful, but given the fact that most companies store knowledge in multiple locations, how do you make knowledge accessible to those who need it? As a code intelligence platform, Sourcegraph gives developers what they need to drive their own learning over time and in different situations. Without Sourcegraph, teams need to rely on asking colleagues or reviewing out-of-date documentation, which is cumbersome and time-consuming. But with Sourcegraph, every developer can search across millions of repositories to find specific code, saving time for themselves and everyone else. So when questions do come up, you know it's the big stuff that's worthy of the extra time. Sourcegraph was created to make developers' lives easier, and today they work with leading companies across every industry, including three out of five of the top tech companies, plus PayPal, Uber, Plaid, GE, Reddit, and Atlassian. Visit about.sourcegraph.com to learn more. That's about.sourcegraph.com to find out why some of the biggest tech companies in the world use Sourcegraph and to see what it can do for yours. Or just click the link in the show notes to let them know that you heard about them from us. Our thanks to Sourcegraph for their support of this show and FM. Yeah, I think the the tension with advertising, I mean, you're right, like it it is a cost to the user experience most of the time. There you know, occasionally you can get away without, you know, with it being even, you know, perfectly symbiotic and, you know, it, it doesn't make anything even a little bit worse, but in most cases there is a small trade-off there. But I, usually in the case of advertising, the alternative if you didn't have advertising would be some other form of funding the thing that you are watching or using or consuming or whatever that would that would be less desirable to to more people so usually the the alternative is direct payment of some sort so you know the idea is you know here we are on a podcast and this podcast is ad funded and if we didn't have the ad there you know the ad does make it a slightly worse listening experience in the sense that we are in the middle of a conversation and we have to interrupt it for an ad briefly but if that ad wasn't there the alternative is not everything is free without anything. The alternative is you pay for every podcast that you listen to. And most people don't want to do that. Most people choose the advertising supported model because it's 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 a better deal for them in their in their mind. They're willing to make that trade off. And so for Apple getting into ads, it's not that ads themselves are necessarily always the worst option or always a bad option. Um, it's, you know, ads, again, it's, it's a trade-off and, and most people choose to make that trade-off when the alternative is paying for, you know, 100% of, of the cost to fund everything. But what's different about Apple doing it is that they are taking experiences that we already know that were already being paid for in other ways like hardware sales and they're making that experience, they're adding ads after the fact and so they're making that experience worse in some way. Now, there are, you know, as you mentioned, like there are certain ways in which ads are good. Sometimes you do discover great things with them. Sometimes they, they do, you know, help people who, who see them or hear them. Um, but the way people view ads in general is if you take something that was 
paid for in some other way and all of a sudden ads get added to it and it's still being paid for in another way, they see that as making it worse for the sake of making more money, which depending on you know your your philosophy, that actually might not be a bad thing, but a lot of people view that as a bad thing. And so in the case of something like you know, like the app store is, is what affects most of us the, the most. You know, the app store pays for itself <laughs> tremendously um, with the 30% in-app purchase cut. And not to mention the fact that it doesn't even need to be financially profitable itself because it is a critical supporting piece of the iPhone hardware business. And so the iPhone hardware business is really all that the app store needs to fund itself, uh, which is fabulously profitable. Um, but, you know, at, with the App Store, Apple found, hey, look, here's even more money we could make if we just take this cut of everyone's purchases. Great. Um, then the, later on, they add search ads. And the reason why we all were kind of irritated by that for the most part is that two ways. First of all, as users, we now have ads on our search results screens and other places increasingly so um, in the App Store. And then as developers, we we saw that as, oh, now we have to pay even more money to Apple to just have our apps be visible even when people search for them by name. Um, and and that's, that's not a great feeling either. And so these are complicated um, judgments and situations because it isn't just like, hey, can we, can we make a product that's ad-funded um, and, and therefore everyone wins because everybody wants this thing to be free, so we'll make it ad-funded. Like that's, that's not necessarily the, the issue here. The issue here is this product that was already funded enough for, to be a great business in other means that didn't have ads before is now adding ads to the experience. And that I think is, is a trickier judgment to make. Yeah. And I think it comes down to something that is so impossible to actually like sort of define or work out. And that is the concept of like, what is enough? You know, what is enough? It's like, what is enough revenue to have? What is a successful enough business? What is the, you know, and and that's the same challenge that I run into sometimes, you know, as as a small indie shop that I'm sure that Apple runs into the same way that uh, on the one side, you would have sort of like the maximalist view that the, you know, this feels like something that would be like, there'd be some, you know, graph in a, you know, an MBA textbook that would show this, that essentially there's a way to structure your business such that you, you sort of, you hit this, you know, this, this inflection point where you make the maximum amount of revenue possible that you've sort of dialed everything, all your variables that go into your business to just right so that you kind of hit that maximum point of revenue. Like that is one version of that. Um, enough could mean on the other extreme could be like just enough that it's possible to continue doing it. That whatever the kind of the bare, bare minimum basic um, sort of requirements for the business to exist, for the product to exist, if it hits that, hits that amount, then that's enough. And then the spectrum between, you know, that the minimalist and the maximalist view of that is massive and is very much oriented, you know, based on other factors that are like, you know, for you and I, we we talked about this, I think it was on the last episode about like some of the limitations of being an independent business. It's like I am making conscious choices that limit the amount of revenue that I can make because I'm choosing to do this myself rather than hiring someone who's an expert in marketing, in monetization, in all of these things, you know, that there isn't someone in my business who is just, you know, shaking down every tree possible to find new leads, to get new customers, or to find, you know, people who want to acquire the products or whatever that might be. Like the maximalist version in some ways would be 
pursuing that. And I'm, she was saying, no, actually, enough is less than that. And where it is in the amount less is entirely subjective and entirely based on, you know, sort of other desires that we might say in, you know, in, in from for me, it's like, I want to make a nice, comfortable living doing the thing that I enjoy. Like if I had to summarize what enough sort of means, but even there, like monetarily, what that's meant has been a different thing in my life. Like it means a different thing when I was younger and didn't have any kids and, you know, sort of was living that lifestyle versus a lifestyle I have now where I have, you know, many more kind of things that I'm responsible for and people who depend on me. And as that increases, like enough changes. Um, so that's where I feel like it's this weird tension because like enough for someone like Apple is it's like even more complicated. Like obviously, I mean, there's the weird things of like, oh, they must maximize shareholder value, which is like half true, but isn't all, you know, totally true because that statement doesn't really mean anything like because with all these things, they're trade-offs that it isn't just like do this, lots of money, do this, not so much money with, without any, without any, you know, sort of trade-off that there's lots of trade-offs. And so Apple has to decide like, where is enough revenue for them to get? Because if they go too far and make too much money in the short term, you hurt yourself in the long term. Um, and so that's where this weird, this funny thing where I got to imagine, it's just this really tricky question of like, where is enough revenue for Apple to make from the prop from the iPhone, because if they have a, have a way that they could make more money, then they choose not to do it. Like, well, then they've said like this much right here, that's enough. Like this is good enough for us to make. It's, you know, and then they can essentially take these surplus that, you know, that they're, that by they're creating by saying, we're not going to go any far beyond here. And we're turning that into user experience. We're turning that into customer sat, I guess you could say. Like you, you can, to some degree, you can exchange money for customer satisfaction within a product. And the, you know, because their customer satisfaction is so high, they have much more surplus there to play with than a cust- you know, a, a company who is much closer on the edge there of, you know, a, a, you know, user abandonment or issues like that. And, that's a really complicated place to find yourself. Like, how do you define, I mean, it's like, and this ultimately, I guess is like, that's like Tim Cook's like main job is defining like, what is enough for Apple? And like, I don't, I don't envy having to make that decision. Well, and I think it's, you know, it's very, very tricky when, when you are a giant company that has a lot of shareholders and a lot of attention on you, it's a very, very different situation than when you're an independent developer, like just one person, you kind of answer to no one. Um, it, it's very, very different. Like I can say, like you know, I, I've, I've, I have the ads set up in my app the way I, I like the ads set up in my app, and it works out really well for everybody. And I could try to shove more ads in more places, or I could try to, um, if I wanted to, like you know, boost the premium subscriptions, I could try to uh, add more limitations to the app. If you weren't a premium subscriber, there, there's ways that I could like you know tighten down the screws a little bit and or whatever the expression is, <laughs> and. Uh, and, and try to force more money out of what I already have. Um, but I've ch- I can choose very easily not to do that because I'm just one person and I and only I need to make that decision. I don't need to convince anyone else whether that's a good idea or not. When you get into large companies, or I mean really any, any kind of group, it becomes much harder to defend decisions that have some kind of money or, quote, data behind them. So, you know, it, w- once you're, like, you know, in a conference room at Apple, if if you can say, like, look, we can make billions of dollars more per year if we do X, Y, and Z, that slightly harms the experience, uh, but, you know, not not too bad, um, that's really hard for anyone to, to say no to 
um, especially if you are facing some kind of challenging conditions. In Apple's case, they have done a really good job of boosting services revenue in which mostly means app store revenue so far but they're trying to broaden that um but you know boosting app store and ad revenue um in in a time when iphone sales don't grow very much anymore because they had this crazy growth period for a long time their finances were through the roof everything was amazing but you know the market matured and iphone sales slowed down and so they had this kind of crunch that they they were in you know in the financial markets and and areas that they had to find new growth areas to try to make up for that slowdown in this massive thing. And if you're, you know, the in a public company like that, you don't have a lot of options for that. If if the CEO refuses to do things that that are obvious like low-hanging fruit to make more money that wouldn't have too many downsides, they would probably be replaced. Like and so it's very very different when you're in that kind of situation versus what you and I can say is like, yeah, you know what? I'm doing well enough. I don't want to make I, I don't want to make this change that could make me more money because I don't agree with what it would do to the app. Like that's m- much easier for us to say because we have no one else to answer to. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think that that reality is is sort of where I end up on a lot of this stuff. Is it's like it is. I, I feel thankful that I'm in a position that I can make those choices. And in a weird way, it reminds me a lot of some of the things that I've sort of been thinking through recently about paywalls and like my premium subscriptions uh, inside of Widgetsmith. And it's like I sort of the more I read, sort of read up about it and talk about best practices and these kind of you get into case studies and like the, the, the sort of typical way that people introduce their paywall to their customer, which is a form of advertising. It's the advertising, you know, that I'm doing for myself is relatively aggressive that it, you know, it'll, the paywall will just sort of like pop up randomly during use of the app or, you know, will show up on first launch or on second launch or, you know, there's lots of different ways and there's, you know, whole tools and systems that exist f- to optimize that and to squeeze it such that, you know, you maximize the, yeah, I, I guess the MRR, which is the, you know, the monthly recurring revenue. Like you find every, every little like dial you can turn to maximize that. And so if I learned about that and I went down that road and it's like, for me in the end, it's like, that's a kind of advertising that I don't like too much. I don't like the feeling of, you know, interrupting my users for things that, you know, for, for purely the benefit of, you know, fi- of a financial benefit to me, like that, that doesn't sit well, that doesn't feel great. Like I'd rather generally speaking, put my paywall behind things that the user is discovering themselves, where they see a something, a capability, a, you know, a, a something that I some way in which the app can benefit them. They see it, they can kind of be intrigued by it and then say, Hey, in order to use this, uh, that hopefully I'm able to show and explain and make compelling, you're going to have to be a subscriber. Like that form of advertising feels much better and feels much more sort of natural and native rather than the more sort of in, intrusive version of that. But yeah, like that's a choice that I can make. And I know that, you know, in the short, at least in the short term, if I, increase my you know the show rate of my paywall i would have a commensurate increase in the recurring revenue that i would generate like i am pretty confident that there is a you know a connection between those two things but there's also a connection between my show rate and my retention rate like if i show the ads too much or i start interrupting users they will abandon the app and i'd rather have them around and that's for me the thing that benefits me and like that kind of advertising but 
yeah, it's it's such a it, it's it's so fascinating for me to think through how it's the same things just at a different scale for for these big companies, and it's like I don't. I don't envy having to make those kind of choices because it's hard enough for me to make that decision for me, which is, you know, relatively small number of users that impacts, you know, it's like me and my family for the most part oh, exclusively rather than, you know, a choice that's impacting, you know, at least hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people's you know, livelihoods and, you know, impacting on the other end, like billions of users, like, whoa, that's a, that's a whole other level. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, ultimately, though, like, you know, ads, it, I think it remains this this kind of, you know, slightly sour tasting reality of the world, which is like most of the time people don't love them, um, but it's not that bad for mo- in most cases. And again, most of the time it is it is the trade off that people choose. You know, like I, I could fund my app entirely with premium subscriptions and have no ads in it at all, but then I would have to, you know, put up more restrictions and annoy people more to get premium. And so this is this is a nicer model for everyone, I think, and and people choose this, and and I think overall they're very happy with it. Uh, I should also disclose that my opinion on Apple here could be biased because if they implement podcast ads like ads in their podcast app, that will compete with my ads, <laughs> and sure. and that's certainly uh, something that you know that, that I should be looking at. Um, but for the most part, I I think again, I, I think this this balance is generally warranted, but it is hard in Apple's case when you, when you have something that didn't have ads before and then gets them. I think that's exactly right. And I think it's the weird thing with ads is like they are beneficial for the people who see them. They can be beneficial to the people who put them in their products, but they're also not entirely beneficial that they also have this cost and like whew, that you just got to find that line and find that balance and know that, yeah, like if, if you if you introduce them later to something that already feels like it's paid for, then there's a PR cost to that. But as with all of this, it feels like there's just like all these little dials that you can die, that you can change and some of them increase happiness some of them increase sadness some of them increase money some of them decrease money and you've just got to find the line that works enough you know find find where enough is for you thanks for listening everybody and we'll talk to you in two weeks bye